Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. For this is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. We are now ready for your word. Father, I pray now that all that we do and all that we say will be pleasing in your sight, that it will bring glory and honor to you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. And help us, God, to be more than just hearers of the word. Help us to be doers. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the newly released movie, Jesus Revolution, a pivotal point comes in the movie when Pastor Chuck Smith, played by Kelsey Grammer of Frasier fame, is confronted by his staunch conservative church leadership about the presence of these hippies who say they love Jesus coming to their staunchly white church. Here they come with their long hair. Here they come with their, with their psychedelic garbs and clothing. They're, they're talking the talk of Jesus, but they don't look like the Jesus folk that they know. And one of the men complains to Pastor Chuck and says, they're dirtying our carpets. They come in here barefooted after walking outside and they're messing our carpets up. The following week, that same staunch leader who was against the hippies coming into church sees there's a line to get into church. He's trying to figure out why there's a line to get into church. There's never a line to get into church. So he walks around to see what is going on at the front of the church that's causing this line, that's causing this backup. And Pastor Chuck is on his knees with a towel and a basin of water, washing the feet of the shoeless hippies as they come to enter the church. He didn't require them to have shoes on. He felt it was his Christian responsibility if the complaint is they're dirtying up the carpet. Let's wash their feet. So there's nothing keeping them from hearing the word of God. My brothers and sisters, Pastor Chuck Smith, who went home to be with the Lord in 2013, has been used millions of times through thousands of churches and pastors to change people's lives for Jesus Christ. But at that moment, he modeled what Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And the truth of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, we live in a world where we value being served more than we value serving. We, we, we talk about service, but it's the service that we want. It's not the service that we're willing to give. Today, I want to continue our series, Blessing Others by Living the One Another's, and I want to move to this next subject, how to serve one another. 
how to serve one another. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And of course, you can download the outline on the church app. How to serve one another. Our foundational text today is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Just for the context of those verses, uh, Peter in verse 7 begins by talking about the end of all things is at hand. And he says, because the end of all things are at hand, he says, we have a responsibility. He says, first, make sure you are the best you you can possibly be. And then help somebody else be the best you that they can be. He starts off by saying in verse 7, look at 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then Peter makes a shift. He says, it's not just enough for you to be the best you you can be. He says, you've got to help somebody be the best you they can be. You've got to help them to become all that God wants them to be. Four things I want you to see today out of this idea of how to serve one another. Number one, you must use the gift God has given you to serve others. It's fundamental, it's foundational, and it's right here in the text. Verse 10 says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. The New Living Translation says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. First and foremost, he says, each of us has been given a gift. Nobody has all of the gifts. Everybody, once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, everybody has at least one gift. And he says, you and I have a responsibility to identify the gift that God has given to us. Uh, that word for gift in the original language comes from the idea of grace. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's, it's a gift that has been given by God, undeserved, and so we count it as a grace gift. It's not something that you earn. It's something that God has freely chosen to give for the benefit, watch this, not of you, but for the benefit of the world. It's a grace gift. He says you need to know that God has blessed you with a gift, but the gift is not for you. The gift is for the world, to help the world be what God wants it to be. And when God talks about the world, he is talking about people. How do you use the gifts that God has given you to help people be the best that they can be? And then he says, use the gift to serve. Um, that word serve comes from the word diakonos. It's, it literally means to minister. Uh, it's, it's really the word that is used to describe and is translated in some places deacon, right? That, that you are to use the gift 
to serve others. You are to use your gift to minister to one another. Look at A. You are to serve. Your task is to use your gift to build up believers in the church. To build up believers in the church. Uh, When we went to do our service project, one of the things I reminded our small group of was that we are not going there for any other reason than to add value to the people that we are going to serve. We don't want them seeing us as something unattainable. We're not trying to go in with a paternalistic attitude. We want to add value to them. And our team did a tremendous job So much so that when we got ready to leave, man, they all kept on waving, and some of them were waving at us that wasn't even in our program. They just kept on waving, and they were like, man, we sure hate y'all going. Y'all come on back now, you hear? (laughs) God has gifted you to build up believers in the church, but look at B. God has gifted you to witness and minister to the world. God has gifted you to witness and minister to the world. Whatever your spiritual gift, God has a purpose for your gift in the body of Christ and in the world. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So let me get on my soapbox for a minute. I was uh, meeting with several pastor groups, and I'm teaching a class of about 35 pastors and preachers from around the country. And I've got some on that class that, that have various titles and positions, some of which I know not of. I said, but here's my problem. My problem is people are grabbing for titles in order to lift themselves up. For me, the highest title I have is not doctor from an earned doctoral degree, it's it's pastor because you bless me to be your pastor. I I don't have a title better than that. So when somebody asks me, what what should I call you? You you call me DZ, you can call me pastor, I'm good. And, and one, one gentleman, he was like, well, Dr. Kofi, man, just, you just call me pastor. It's all right. I'm good. I promise you. Now, for some of you, that may not be good enough. For me, I'm good. But I've got a bunch of friends who want to be bishops <laughs> and archbishops <laughs> and apostles <laughs> and prophets. And here's my problem. I don't care what title or position you want to claim in verse 11, just make sure you do in verse 12. I I want to see where the saints are being equipped to do the work of the ministry. I I don't want to know how pointed the hat is that you wear or you got a staff or a ring. I don't care how big your ceremony is and you can trace your spiritual lineage back to Peter. That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, if you're not equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, you're not doing what God has called you to do.
And here's what God wants us to know. When you serve, you are being a good steward of the gift God has deposited within you. See, see, God has blessed you with a gift, but remember, it is a grace gift. And because it's a grace gift, it's from God, undeserved by you, that is given for one reason, and that's to bless the body. And here's what God wants you to understand. No one can exercise your gift for you. Nobody can mobilize your gift but you. It's your gift. And God says you got to use your gift to build up others and to witness and minister to the world. Here's the second thing. Number two, you must use the gift God has given you to serve in the power of God. You've got to serve in the power of God. Watch what the text says, verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Everybody say God supplies. Now, here's what's interesting. Many times we don't serve the way God wants us to serve because we're trying to serve in our flesh instead of serving in his spirit. You're trying to serve by your power instead of God's power, and then when somebody gets on your nerves and you've been trying to serve in your power, how many of you know your power runs out real quick? Listen, there's some serving that God wants you to do that you will never get done apart from his power. Matter of fact, let me go one step further. Even if you can serve in your flesh, you don't want to serve apart from his power because it's his power that can multiply beyond your head and your hands to touch somebody's heart. I wish I had time to talk about it. Because a lot of times in life, what we don't realize is when we serve in the power of God, we invite the supernatural to do what the natural can't get done. We touch beyond the surface and we touch the soul. So he says, Whatever you do, do it in the strength, the power of God. Um, that, that word strength literally means forcefulness. Uh, you use the ability, the power that God makes available to you. And, and he says the strength that God supplies. Now, this is an interesting word. That word supply, supplies is the word corrigale. Corrigale. It's where we get the word choreography from. Now, now, here's what's interesting. The word was described to use somebody who would choreograph an event or a dance, but they would go one step further because it not only speaks to coordinating an event, but it also refers to hegeomai, which means to supply whatever is needed for the event to occur. So it's almost like somebody who's choreographing a dance and then pays for everything the dancers need so they have nothing to keep them from dancing the way they're supposed to dance. The Bible says God 
supplies the strength that we need in order to do what he's asked us to do. Somebody, I'm going to help you right now in your life and in your living. Leave here today understanding that God never asks you to do anything he does not give you the power to do. So even when you are lamenting something that God asks you to do and you say, I can't do it, you're absolutely right. You can't in your power. But when you get to the place that you can't in your power, that's when you need to trust God and walk in his power. And here's what you need to know. If you don't do what God has gifted you to do with the power God has made available to you, you will not complete the mission God has assigned to you. You cannot complete what God has put before you without doing it in his power. Galatians 6.10, let's read it together. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of God. Let's go to number three. Number three, you must use the gift God has given you to serve to the glory of God. If we're going to serve one another the way God wants us to, you must use the gift God has given you to serve to the glory of God. Look at what he says, the B part of verse 11. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. The word glorified means to esteem, to honor, to magnify. Can I tell you something, my brothers and sisters? Many times in churches, the conflicts and battles that we see going on are people fighting for their portion of glory that doesn't belong to either of them. Some of y'all looking at me strange. Let me put a cord in the meter and park there for a second. Um. Singers want some glory with all of their false humility. You say, oh, you sang, oh, Lord, I could feed up. Oh, it was nothing. It was nothing. Oh, to God be the glory. But thank you. Right? Singers want some glory because it's in our flesh. Uh, deacons want some glory. Deacons want some glory. That's why they pray them prayers like they pray them, and them long prayers. They want some glory. I'm not talking about our deacons, y'all. I ain't talking about our deacons. Come on, some of y'all remember them deacons when you were kids. They would pray the same prayer. The whole world done blown up, but they praying the same prayer every week. Have I got a witness in here anywhere? Man, we would sit in the back and we'd be like, man, we know, man, Deacon Peterson, get ready to play, pray. And we know when he gets to that, he said, we, 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 my father. And we'd be in the back talking about, wee, 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 my father. <laughs> and us would say, you better hush. He said, well, and us tell him. He praying the same prayer every week. <laughs> Ushers want some glory. Oh, that's why they love to march. Y'all can come on. Y'all remember them old school ushers, boy. They get mad. They get the marching. You know what I'm saying? And then they turn that corner on you, and you, and look here, as soon as they turn that corner, somebody say, go ahead, y'all. Oh, sookie, sookie now. When they say, go ahead, oh, man, they start, 
looking like they in a marching band or something. You know what I mean? Musicians want some glory. They want, they want a little glory. Not a whole lot. Give me some little glory. I want you to hear that chord. Give me some glory. You know what I mean? And the pastor sure enough wants some glory. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. Listen, confession is good for the soul. Pastor wants some glory, man. Pastor wants some glory. And watch this. Pastor get mad if somebody else is getting too much glory. Be like, oh, no, 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 no. Y'all, 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 y'all got it too hot in here. Let's, uh-uh, we got to cool it down some. No, we don't want all that worship spirit up in here. I can't, 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 can't preach after that. I got to bring it down. Got to bring it down. My, 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 my. <laughs> so, man, man, let me say, the Lord would bless uh, Darius, Mark. Y'all know this, man. The Lord would bless, man. Spirit be high, and man, folk just be worshiping, worshiping. And then the pastor would get up. Father, I stretch my hand to thee, no other help I know. We'd be like, what? Where that? It was like a, a needle being snatched off a record. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I know where y'all going. Nah, we're going over here. I'm telling you, we're going over here. But here's the problem. We, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Y'all want some glory too. Oh, y'all thought it was just us? Oh, no, 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 no. When you get up in the morning, you put on that outfit that you know going to get some comments. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Don't make me go there. Come on now, you're gonna walk in and you somebody went, oh man, I like them shoes. Oh, these old things, these ain't nothing. <laughs> Sticker still on the bottom of them. Talking about ain't this ain't nothing. Mm-mm. You be walking, don't let them shoes have a red bottom, boy. You be walking like this. <laughs> Trying to flash that bottom. <laughs> Gary, you got some red bottoms on? Now it's like, bro, you got some red bottoms on. But here's the problem. We all fighting for glory that belongs to God. We all fighting for glory that's not ours. Nobody should leave here talking about how great the singing is, how great the preaching is, how great the people, they should leave here talking about how great our God is. Why? Because all of the glory is due him. All of the honor is due him. All of the glory belongs to him. And watch this. When you serve, come on, somebody get this. When you serve, you are celebrating God. When you serve, you are celebrating God. Rooted groups, when you went and did your project, those who may still have to do their projects, when you go to serve, you celebrate God. Because serving is counter to selfishness. Which is why serving stands out so much, because everybody's about themselves. And few of us are about anybody else. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in 
heaven. John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You are to serve to God's glory. Let me get to the last thing and then let you go. Number four, you must use the gift God has given you to serve so you will one day hear the Lord say, well done. It is real simple. You must use the gift God has given you to serve so you will one day hear the Lord say, well done. Now remember, Peter says, the B part of verse 11, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 5, 21, the ESV translation says, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Go down to verse 45 of Matthew 24. It's there on your outlines. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Here's what's amazing. What's amazing is when we think about what God celebrates and we think about what we want celebrated, we want ourselves celebrated. God celebrates obedience. Matter of fact, it's amazing in life, listen carefully, how many times obedience ushers in miracles. Many times people pray for a miracle and they want God to grant the miracle in their disobedience. As if God is going to affirm their disobedience. The Bible says, the master came and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Read the context, read the chapter, parable of the talents. God blesses everyone with a talent. Some would use the term gifts as an imagery of the talents. Everybody wasn't given the same talents. Everybody wasn't given the same amount. Everybody, according to the scripture, was given what they could handle at the time with no limitation on what it could grow into. And the Bible says that the man who had five talents turned his five into five. The man who had two talents turned his two into two more. So the five turned it into five more. The two turned it into two more. And the man who had one talent said, uh, I know you're a hard taskmaster. And you'd have been mad if I lost this one. So I buried it. And I'm going to give you back what you gave to me. These, these talents were used 
And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. When God evaluates your life, when God begins to judge your life, I hate to shock somebody, but the things that impress us are not going to impress God. The, the, the things that people celebrate are not even on God's radar. In other words, when you get to the end of your life, see somebody under the sound of my voice, you want to be a boss. I understand you want to be a boss. I understand you want to be in charge. You want to be able to nod and folk move, point and folk go, stand up and folk jump. You want to be a boss. You, you, you're not concerned about being a servant. You're more concerned about how many people you have serving you. You want folk to walk in and be impressed. Not by who you are, but by what you have. So you go in major debt to impress people you don't even like. <laughs> Trying to pretend to be something that you aren't. And God is looking at you saying, what are you doing? Who, who are you trying to impress you, you want to be in charge. You want to rule and reign supreme. You long to be in that position of authority. But here's what I need you to understand. When the Lord starts evaluating your life, he won't declare, well done, good and faithful supervisor. 